everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. We've got, although a little change, uh, we're going to have Justin Ferguson over the phone at 4.30. Justin's got a couple of things going on today, so he is unable to make it in studio, but we'll have a long chat with Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer at 4.30. It's Thursday, so I I, I think we're going to talk with Scott Bagwell. Right, Drew? They play tomorrow, don't they? they? Yeah, they got a game coming up. So we'll talk with Scott Bagwell, and the he's, of course, the voice of the number one Auburn High School Tigers. So we will talk with Scott about the exciting season that Auburn High School is having, and there are some big games on the horizon for the Auburn High School Tigers, even if the schedule isn't right in front of me, so I don't know exactly who they play on Saturday or on, on Friday night. I'll, I'll look that up uh, shortly, or maybe Bill knows, uh, and, and he'll uh, he'll jump in with it uh, when, we, uh, when we go to him. Uh, we'll do some housekeeping. Hour number one of the drive, Kia of Auburn is the sponsor. Of course, Kia of Auburn and KiaofAuburn.com, where you're always number one. They sponsor the hotline as well. 334-321-1390. That's the number to dial if you want to jump in. You can text the show as well. 334-564-1840 is the number for the drive text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. And, of course, Southeastern Industrial Contractors also sponsoring the uh, podcast. So you can get the podcast however you listen to your favorite podcast. Just search for The Drive with Bill Cameron. And that presented by our good friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. And with that, we'll get to Bill Cameron on what's been a fairly newsworthy day. Although not shocking news if you listen to this show, as it's something that we've speculated about for a few weeks. And uh, something that we uh, we even talked about yesterday on the show. The availability of Zach Calzada comes into question this after uh, it was reported that T.J. Finley uh, was going to be unavailable for Saturday's game against Missouri. There's also news uh, from uh, T.J. Finley's father uh, appearing on a uh, making a media appearance and answering some questions and, and giving his opinion on how the quarterback situation has been handled so far. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm generally uncomfortable with uh you know the the parents of college athletes you know stepping into the spotlight and deciding to advocate uh for uh, uh for their sons but I'd I'd be lying sons or daughters you're talking about college athletes uh but I'd be lying if I if I didn't say you know there there are a couple of interesting quotes coming out of that uh, out of that appearance by Mr. Finley on a on, on a different uh, uh audio program so yeah I mean there there's uh, there are some things to talk about and with that we'll welcome in Bill Cameron uh who is uh, working from home uh this uh this week and and could be back in the studio sometime soon you never know but in the meantime we're we're, we're pleased to have Bill uh via the magic of the internet Bill how you doing uh, all right. Uh, I guess slowly, slowly but surely getting a little better. I mean, uh, last night was able to take the bandages off and take a look at uh, at my shaved knee and and the little holes that are in it. Uh, still not able to bend it very well. I know one of the things that that uh, was a concern was that I'd be able to straighten it. I don't have any trouble straightening it. It's just bending it right now. But that that uh, should be coming here pretty soon. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm not getting around extremely well, but felt so good to be able to get the bandage off, take a shower, you know, just sort of clean up and actually get uh, be able to get in my own bed last night. So got got a little sleep until people started calling me at seven o'clock this morning after the first sleep I'd gotten in two days. 
I got I got solid phone calls all morning long from people. So um, uh, maybe, maybe that's done with. They'll leave me alone on Friday. But it's Ramsey, by the way, that Auburn High is playing. They're the number three team in the state in 5A. Wow. So they're, so they're coming in and uh, would love an opportunity to knock off the number one team in 7A. So, uh, so yeah, it's a big ball game. And, of course, the Opelika game is coming up next week. So, yeah, we should be talking with Scott here in the next uh, 15, 20 minutes here on the, on the drive. But you're right. The news of the day from Auburn, more quarterback stuff. You know, we'd been hearing uh, there had been some speculation about Zach Calzada. Was he healthy? Um, was it his, uh, you know, was, was he able to play? Dan, I, I from, from everything I've gathered, I believe he has been cleared to play, but that doesn't mean that he wasn't looking at a situation where he was going to face off-season surgery on his non-throwing shoulder. And I think Zach Calzada, for whatever reason, uh, had had been wanting to go ahead and get the shoulder taken care of. And uh, maybe the staff um, wanted him to, you know, push through it and, and see if he could help them on the field this fall. Yeah, it's a, it's an unusual, you know, a slightly unusual situation. I mean, but it's, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the, the timeline of the injury is a little bit of a question. You know, is this something that happened after fall camp started, or is this lingering from uh, the, the injury that he suffered last season and had surgery on uh, or su- subsequently? In between, or, or, or something in between, or, Dan. Or, that's, that's what we keep hearing, is it something in between. Or so, or something in between, you know, Zach Calzada having surgery and Zach Calzada starting yeah. starting fall camp. So, yeah, I mean, right. it's... it's uh, uh, it, it it is a it's a blow to Auburn, you know, as they lose another scholarship quarterback, at least for this week. I mean, for Calzada, it's 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 the season, and uh, it, it's fair to wonder when you'll see T.J. Finley again, or if you'll see T.J. Finley again uh, this season because of his injury and and maybe other uh, circumstances. Oh, I as, would I would think off field things uh, have as have that as much in question as as on field. Right. Yeah, and and that's I mean, sort of separately from from Zach Calzada, but. Uh, no, it's it's uh, another sign of. I mean, what, what's the what's the metaphor you want to use for the moment, Bill? I mean, I said uh, Saturday's game was the boat hitting the the, the iceberg, and and this is more this is more water uh, get, getting on board that boat, right? And 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 maybe maybe some folks jumping off. Yeah, well, I I sort of lean more toward medical comparisons now since I had the I had the slight tear on the left knee. This was a much more significant tear, I think. I think the tear or fracture in, in Auburn football right now is more than slight. Oh no, it's sticking out of the skin, Bill. I mean, this thing is this thing is a compound <laughs> fracture, right? Whatever's wrong with Auburn football, and I mean, I just, I mean, it, maybe maybe they can pull it out against Missouri. Remains to be seen what this game looks like on Saturday. It feels feels like Brian Harson is. I'll use a different metaphor, like the way they talk about uh, a species facing extinction. Yeah, he he is critically endangered at at the moment, Bill. I mean, it it is oh, being the Auburn being the Auburn head football coach. Yes, yeah. yes. Brian Harson's tenure as as Auburn as Auburn head coaches is critically endangered uh, at at the moment, and uh, we'll see. We'll we'll see if he can pull out you know a, a couple of magic tricks and and find a way out of this, or if uh, if we're seeing uh, the final game of his uh, of, of his Auburn tenure uh, sometime well, uh, sometime lost, very soon. It's a loss. The the odds I think would be. Would be pretty high. Uh, now Auburn should win this game, like Jason Caldwell said yesterday. I've spoken with a lot of people that feel like this is the 
This is the uh, most likely win that Auburn has on the rest of their schedule, including Western Kentucky. And if they don't win this one, then you'd wonder, you know, why would you think they're going to win any others unless they unless they pull shockers? Now, we do have, I mean, it's really going to be interesting now, now that we know that Zach Calzada is out, even though I guess uh, Brian Harson hasn't. Maybe he's learned about it now. Oh, do you know? Do you know something he doesn't, Bill? Maybe, that... maybe we, yeah, maybe he knows now. Uh, but I mean, we haven't heard anything from Brian Harson. But it's going to be really interesting to see how the quarterbacks are handled. Robbie Ashford's got to be your starter, but is it Robbie all the way, or do they continue this? Um, and what's the best way to describe rotation? The I mean. I'm, I mean, because you're going to have two different type quarterbacks again. Are they going to keep wanting to do that and, you know, have somebody be in for a play or two and then bring the other one in yeah. for a play was, or two? And I, then... guess, I guess the question is, was, was the reason, was the, use, was the use of the quarterbacks through three games because they really like the way a, a running quarterback complements a passing quarterback, or did it have to do with Robbie? And did they think Robbie's talent was so undeniable that even with TJ playing well, they needed to get Robbie some snaps here and there? Well, they're going to have a chance to get Robbie a lot of snaps on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah they are. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I and and I listened to uh, I listened to TJ Finley's dad today, and I don't disagree with a lot that he was saying. I just, yeah, it just felt, oh, this doesn't feel like right that you should be doing that. Uh, although I'd have a tough time if it were, I, if it were my son and somebody came to me, uh, I'd, I'd probably, I don't know. I don't know that I'd go on for 30 minutes, but I'd probably have a tough time holding everything back. I'd be uncomfortable, not, not to call anybody else and look, do you know, you know what I mean? Paddle your own canoe, you know, I, no, no, no judgment yeah. anywhere. I'd be, I'd be uncomfortable. That's what I'm saying. I'd be uncomfortable yeah. booking a player's parent as a guest in that situation if it were us. Like, if you came to me and you said, hey, you want to talk to Zach Calzada's blank, or do you want to talk to, you know, you know what I mean? Like, Robbie you know, Ashford. Well, the time, the time you would do that, I would think. During the season? I'd feel more comfortable doing it is if a coaching change had been made. Right. During the season, though? I'd, I'd feel, yeah, I'd feel, I'd feel weird. I'd feel season, weird. You know, but, but hey, but I mean, it, it's, 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 it's but no, and, and I think that's separate from the from the content of what uh, Mr. Right. Mr. Mr. Friendly had to say. Content. But I mean, I did not disagree with TJ's dad about the fact that it would look like one or the other quarterback would get things going, and then you'd make a change. That mm -hmm. th there's no way you can expect a quarterback to stay in rhythm if he goes in, makes a play, and then comes out. I mean, the other day, bringing in TJ on a couple of third and longs and having him convert that was great. But how do you expect him to keep doing that if you don't let him stay in after that? And it's sort of the same thing with Robbie. It's it's been very, um, you know, well, very just just odd to see the way the quarterbacks have been juggled. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety the number to dial. Let's get to the phones. And I believe Drew is it Harson Rocks? That's that's the, uh, the the caller that's on the line. You you are on the air. Hey Dan. Hey Bill. Hey, I'm enjoy the show. Hey, uh, I hope your leg, your knee gets better there soon, Bill. Um, I've been a huge Harson supporter since day one. I was down in Tumors for the uh, Keep the Harson rally. All twenty of us down there. Um, but man, I'm telling you, it's, he's making it very, very hard these days it, it, with all this stuff coming out with TJ. Um, the way they handle Calzada, just the whole way through. Bill, you mentioned the word odd. Everything about this is odd. It just feels more and more, oh, the way that he's hardly known on the west side of the, of the state at the high schools. 
um, all this stuff just coming at one time. It feels like that that they're they're in over their heads coaching wise. They're getting destroyed by you know uh, the coach at Penn State, really every coach, and that he's lost control of this team. Uh, how can you have a team if you have the, your your starting quarterback's dad and your quarterback who's supposed to be a leader on the team out? Mad mouth in the team or the, the coaching staff, and then tweet him himself was tweeting out that graphic about how the how he was the most pressured quarterback in five years, and you know pretty much throwing his offensive line under the bus. It just feels uh, like a, a dysfunctional uh, dumpster fire over there, and I feel like that he's just lost lost the team, and, and that's my opinion. Hey, it's hard, it's hard to argue with that. I mean, especially you know we heard so much about what a great leader TJ was, and and. How tight this team was, and and I'm with you. I'm I'm with you. I mean, I was uh, very impressed with everything Brian Harson had said. I had tried to get a lot of folks very that are very close to me to just calm down. Let's wait and see. You know, they said just he said just watch. Well, I, my eyes have been opened now. It's it's tough for me to unsee what we saw. Appreciate the phone call. No, I, I think you're. Uh, I think you both make excellent points, and it's uh, it, it's damaging. You know the, the the way not just losing to Penn State, but I think the way it played out. Um, you know, it, it exposed some deficiencies on the roster that probably should have been dealt with during the off season and in the portal. It it exposed some questions about uh, about about the game plan, and you know, and, and at least for me personally, and I know there have been some other folks who have, who have expressed. Uh, dismay and disappointment in the way Saturday, and it wasn't the first time that feels like Brian Harson constantly wants to point to execution and deflect criticism away from himself and his coaches, and sort of shift the blame to uh, the way the game is being played by the players. And uh, at least Saturday, Bill, it wasn't it wasn't just the players need to play better, right? I mean, it was. I mean, there's there's some of that certainly. It's football, sure, uh, but. Uh, there's absolutely fair questions to ask about uh, the, the game plan on both sides of the ball from from Saturday's game that 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 are independent of of execution, right? I mean, it's it's just well, I mean, it's something that yeah. yeah, game plan and and then again, just to can continue just whipping that uh, that decaying corpse, uh, you know, the, the, the lack of adjustments. I mean, we've seen it for a year and a half now. Auburn, if Auburn's playing well. They, they have to hope they can hang on because things don't change. I mean, if, if things are going well, they keep trying to do those. And if other teams adjust, then it's just like, well, hang on for dear life and hope, hope we've got enough. And, and Saturday's game, we'll take a break because we're, we're about to, to run up against it. We're going to start try to talk to Scott Bagwell, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer at 430. Uh, but in the case of the Missouri game on Saturday, it's, it's still, I mean, we'll see what happens this season. But it's still the era of... You can jump in the portal whenever you want. And if you, I mean, this season is on the brink right now, not just for Brian Harson, but I think for players who are draft eligible and have a business decision to make and, and certainly players who have a lot of football ahead of them. And, and, are, you know, in some cases, folks might wait and see what, what happens, you know, if Auburn were to make a coaching change. You remember right. a couple of years ago, Ole Miss fired Matt Luke and a bunch of players said they were storming out and going into the portal. And then Ole Miss hires Lane Kiffin and I don't think a single player left. So, I mean, it was, I mean, these things can happen, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it seems like a situation that's getting worse, right? I mean, it just feels like, I mean, just, just to take the climate, 
it, just, just to check the climate every day. It, it doesn't, uh, I mean, a win, a win Saturday would, would help some, uh, but, it, you know, the, the loss, the loss this past week was damaging enough that, you know, you, you wonder if it, it's going to take more than that, but uh, certainly a loss Saturday would help a little bit for, for a situation that feels, at least at the moment, like we said, critically endangered. 334-321-1390. We will be back. You are listening to the Thursday edition of The Drive. I'm Dan Peck in the studio. Bill is connected to the internet and Drew is in the studio as well, taking your phone calls. We're going to talk to Scott Bagwell, Justin Ferguson, David Pascal in the five o'clock hour. I believe we should check the schedule on that one, but I believe we're going to talk to David as well. Well, don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Drive. The Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Hour number one of the Thursday edition of The Drive. Dan in the studio. Bill connected via the internet. Drew at the controls. Got a couple of guests lined up. We will talk to Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer at the bottom of the hour. But in the meantime, we will reach out and talk to one of our favorites, the voice of Auburn High School football, the number one team in the state, Scott Bagwell, who uh, will be calling tomorrow night's game against Ramsey. How you doing, Scott? Good. How you doing, Dan? D- doing all right. Bill is on the line too. He can uh, he can jump in here as uh, as well on the uh, uh, via, via the magic of technology. But Scott, yeah, this uh, the train keeps rolling for for the Auburn High School team. I mean, this is a uh, is a team that that has the number one ranking. They've earned it. Uh, what can you tell us about the game this past uh, this this past uh, week? Yeah, I think it was one of those things where. Um when you're the number one team on, on in the state or the highly ranked team, whatever, uh, and you go on the road against a team that you're overmatched, you want to see your team execute. And Auburn didn't execute for about two and a half minutes, and then after that, that was that. Um, and then once once the train got rolling, um, that Auburn, you know, kind of did what they were supposed to do. They didn't look ahead, um, and uh, they took care of business, and now they get – to come home, it's homecoming this week, and it's the start of a three-game stretch in four weeks that will, in my opinion, determine where Auburn is going to go as far as the region championship and, and further than that. So, yeah, oh, go, go ahead, I, I heard a little of the uh, uh, the coach's show a um, couple of nights ago, Scott, and, and you're absolutely right. While you were talking to Coach Etheridge, um, you know, as, as evidenced by what we saw in Prattville this past week, you can't take those games too lightly. You sure you may win, but you don't want to fall into bad habits. And it seems like Auburn is staying on track. Yeah, um, yeah. We we have talked, and uh, Coach Ether just talked about it. It's tough to win on this region on the road. Um, that's why the win at uh, Enterprise for Auburn was so big. It wasn't the cleanest game in the world, but it was a big, big win for Auburn to go on the road to find a way to escape. And uh, and even then, it was a ten point win. Um, and, and then you've seen it when when Central goes to Opelika. Uh, Opelika pulls off the big upset, and then Opelika goes to Prattville. And Opelika has a two touchdown lead in that game, and then Prattville makes a couple plays. The next thing you know, you're in the second half, and and now it's a completely totally different game. And the fourth quarters in close games, home teams find a way to make plays most of the time. So. Um, that was big for Auburn to find a way to win that game. 
and um, and 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 now you're at home uh, taking on a very very good Ramsey team, number three in five A, and it just sets yourself up for this big three game stretch over four weeks. What what can you tell us about Ramsey and what they do well? Uh, they got some athletes and they're going to throw it well. They got a sophomore quarterback. Um, his name is Cameron Keenan. He's about six three. Uh, he throws for over 220 yards per game, completes about 55% of his passes, 14 touchdowns to three interceptions. Um, they got a run game that complements them well, and then they got a couple of athletes that, uh, that, that they, they'll spread it out to that are very, very good. Um, and, uh, and, and don't let the 5A fool you. This is a very, very good football team. Talk yeah, they, go ahead, Bill. Players over the, uh, the past few years and, Something unusual, Scott. I mean, I look and and it's homecoming for Auburn High and for Auburn University, but it looks like things should be there shouldn't be any conflicts. No, um, um, everything should be done kind of today for Auburn High School as far as the homecoming stuff and Saturday night for the dance and all that. Um, But yeah, I I realized that this week as I was looking through things, I was like, holy cow! You know, it it, it hit all in the same week. which I don't know if that's ever happened before, having having the uh, the uh, two homecomings all on the same thing, all in the same week. And as Coach Etheridge uh, told the team, he goes, look, that's for the students. We get to go play the game on Friday, and we have other things we need to take care of. Uh, but all the festivities and all that, that that's kind of for everybody else. Talking with Scott Bagwell, the voice of the Auburn High School Tigers, here on the Thursday edition of The Drive. Scott, it's been an outstanding start to the season for Auburn High as they uh, take on Ramsey tomorrow night. What, if anything, uh, could could stand some improvement or, or could, be, uh, could be exploited by Auburn opponents in the future of what you've seen so far? I'm interested to see what happens this week with the passing game. Um, Ramsey likes to throw it. And last time Auburn faced a team that could throw it a little bit, that had two receivers that could go make plays, Auburn, you know, that was the enterprise game. Um, Auburn's given up 463 passing yards on the year, 233 over half of that came against enterprise. So I'm interested to see what happens with a quarterback who wants to sit in the pocket and spread the ball around. How does this defense uh, handle it? I know Auburn's going to bring some pressure. I know Auburn's going to attack, but I'm just interested to see how that um, how that plays out. Uh, kind of a strength versus strength uh, matchup there, and uh, and also this is a Ramsey team that um, at times has, has been really really good. Uh, they played uh, Pleasant Grove, who's very good, held them to 14 points. Um, so it'll be a good challenge for this Auburn uh, offense as well. And uh, and the the rushing game has really been uh, clicking on all all cylinders recently. Averaged over eleven yards per carry a week ago against Lee. Do not miss it, Scott and the gang will be uh, on the call tomorrow night, uh, pregame at six thirty, and uh, and and the, uh, the 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 kickoff about a half hour after that. Scott, shout out everybody else on the broadcast because they do such a great job. Yeah, uh, Rob Pate uh, does. Uh, Calls the game with me, does a great job, and uh, obviously he knows the game. And Jack Hudson does a fantastic job of keeping up with stats and scores going on across the state and uh, giving us a break at halftime and a postgame and a pregame. And then, of course, Drew at the controls back in the studio does a, a wonderful job making sure everything uh, runs the way it's supposed to. Yeah, passable work by Drew, as as usual. <laughs> great great stuff, Scott. We will, uh, uh, we will uh, look forward to tomorrow's game and talk to you soon. All right, bud. I'll talk to you all.
Scott Bagwell, the voice of the Auburn High School Tigers. You can catch that on Wings 94.3 tomorrow night or RadioAlabama.net and get the Wings FM tab uh, pulled up and you can uh, listen to the game live that way. We're going to talk with Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer when we come back. Shifting gears and getting back to Auburn University football. Don't miss it. You're listening to The Drive. Turn up some more yardage on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Bottom of the hour, now we're number one here on the Thursday edition of The Drive. Thanks again to Scott Bagwell, voice of the Auburn High School Tigers, for joining us in the previous segment. Check out the podcast presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, if you missed any of Scott. Got a, uh, a few more guests lined up, including David Pascal at the top of hour number two. Uh, this guy uh, we're about to talk to uh, usually joins us in studio for much of the show on Thursdays, but, uh, you know, th- things come up and, uh, and and we appreciate any time we get with the uh, founder and chairman and editor-in-chief of the Auburn Observer, who's got, had a lot of questions to answer from the Observer faithful in the last few days. I imagine Justin Ferguson, uh, nice enough to uh, join us here on a Thursday. How are you doing, Justin? Uh, I'm doing all right, Dan. Uh, it, sorry, sorry, I couldn't come in today, but uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of stuff happened <laughs> in the last few hours. Yeah, been, I was no, wondering. Yeah. I, I was wondering if Justin had any eligibility left, and he's working on, uh, you know, working on getting in shape because Auburn, Auburn's only got uh, two. Two available scholarship quarterbacks now. Well, see, the thing is, is that the thing that kept me from being a quarterback uh, was my Talent. hands are too small. They would, they would have, yeah, you know, that too. But my hands are too small. They would have dinged me at the NFL Combine, so I gave up my dream uh-huh. early. Well, well, Justin, that that became a story in the last uh, day or so as it became clear that Auburn uh, would be down to just two starter, uh, two scholarship quarterbacks. Uh, now, with the news that uh, uh, both Zach Calzada will, well, Zach Calzada is going to be unavailable for the entire season now after uh, pursuing a medical redshirt and having surgery, and T.J. Finley, uh, it's up in the air about uh, when you'll see T.J. Finley again, or if you'll see T.J. Finley again in an Auburn uniform, because that, system, uh, that, that situation has, uh, has uh, deteriorated over the last few days, too. Right, Justin? Yeah, it seems to be not uh, in a good spot there with Finley. And the, the injury, and it's just, I, I don't know, there's just been stuff this week, you know, with, with some stuff on social media and elsewhere, where it's just like, I, I don't know, uh, I don't know how much, how many favors, um, TJ Finley did for himself, uh, with, with some of the things that we've seen. I, it's tough for Auburn because like now you, you've got into a situation now where you only have two quarterbacks and it's the two least experienced quarterbacks that you started with, uh, in, uh, Holden Gardner, who hasn't played yet. And then of course, Robbie Ashford, um, who would presumably move up to the starting job for Saturday against Missouri, who, 
has played really two extended min, uh, stretches in games that he's never started before, and now you're having to turn to him. So it's uh, it's about as it's about as rough as it could possibly be for a team that was already struggling on offense and struggling particularly to throw the ball. I'm I'm reluctant to let quarterback uh, the intrigue jump in front of everything else that there is to talk about this Auburn football team, Justin, because I thought you did an excellent job breaking down uh, everything that went wrong for Auburn against Penn State, and it's not just about the quarterback. A lot of it's about the offensive line. A lot of it's about the defense. A lot of it's about the strategy going into the game uh, beyond just the execution of of the players, uh, you know, and, and how they and how they fare on the field. Uh, so let's let's start there with with the offensive line. Just sort of briefly, uh, how do you uh, how do you explain to people uh, what was uh, you know what went wrong for Auburn's offensive line against Penn State on Saturday? Uh, frankly, everything went wrong for Auburn's offensive line against Penn State. This was a group that had a hard time. Blocking in the running game, uh, Penn State had it was over sixty percent of Auburn's rushing attempts. The running backs were hit uh, at or before the line of scrimmage, which is a very bad sign. Um, over half of the Auburn's dropbacks with TJ Finley and Robbie Ashford featured some sort of pressure from um, you know Penn State. This was a this was a unit that could not do much of anything consistently. Each side and each spot of the offensive line seem to have issues, some more than others, but I don't think anybody gets a, gets a free pass after this game. You would see it on the, at both tackles. You would see it on the interior. You would see it right down the middle. Too many times Auburn was just missing blocks, missing assignments. Guys were coming in with free rushers. It was just everything was not good for Auburn's uh, offensive line against Penn State. And here's the thing. We know Auburn's offensive line has been an issue for a while, and we knew it was only going to get worse if things didn't change pretty dramatically. Um, but I think the thing there is, is the offensive line. Look, if you can't do your job on the offensive line, if you're not if you're not winning up front at any consistent basis, you're not going to be able to do anything on offense because there's only so much you can do to scheme around it, uh, especially if both areas, pass protection and run blocking, are so poor. So. Everybody who stepped on the field for Auburn as in, in offensive line play uh, on on Saturday against Penn State, they all have stuff to get better at. They all have stuff to work on, and it's going to be interesting because the last two drives of the game against Penn State, Auburn put in some different guys, and you wonder how much of that will carry into the Missouri game this week. How fair is it to criticize Brian Harson for not upgrading the offensive line talent in the off season and instead bringing back mostly guys that were on last year's roster uh, when the offensive line uh, struggled uh, throughout the second half of last season? They, you know, Harson tried in the portal, but you you will have to question how hard you tried, right? You know, and the fact that you didn't get anybody is a bad sign. You know, you can talk about the high school recruiting on the offensive line. Rarely, very rarely, can you find somebody that you can trust to be a true freshman and play on the offensive line in the SEC. I think LSU is doing it right now. Completely different situation. It's year one. It's a weird transitional roster for Brian Kelly. Can't really do that in year two. And the fact that Auburn didn't get anything in this transfer portal, even though they tried, um, is, is, is really rough. Now, you would have thought you had Nick Brahms this year. You would have thought that you know maybe a guy like Keandre Jones would consistently be your first teamer there. But 
that's not the case. And, and I think that's the thing about Brian Harson in general and this team in general. Brian Harson, when he came in, he didn't inherit a great situation on the offensive line. He didn't inherit a, a completely like airtight roster either. But the fact of the matter is, is that they have regressed last season and they've regressed so far this season. Um, and, and I think the offensive line really is kind of a microcosm for Auburn's problems as a whole. Um, you know, you can talk about what you inherited. You can talk about what um, you can do moving forward and all that and having enough time and all those other things. But what are you doing in the time that you have? And right now, it's regression. There's no proof of concept, and I think the offensive line is a good example of it. The uh, offense wasn't the only problem against Penn State. And uh, and the defense was, uh, I, th- I think maybe it's even more surprising how much the defense has struggled yeah. in the first three games of the season considering what the unit brought back from last year. Sort of the same question I asked about the offensive line. You know, How do you summarize uh, the, the struggles of the Auburn defense over the first three games and especially uh, in, the, uh, in the game against Penn State? I thought the defensive front in the first half did a good job of keeping Auburn in the game. They weren't perfect. They weren't dominant. But they kept Auburn in the game. They kept Auburn within striking distance. But they were getting some good pressure. They were stopping and stopped the run. They were doing enough to make it in the game. But then in the second half, the dam broke. And Auburn's pass defense has been giving up chunk plays all year. And you had that against Penn State for sure. But the main problem, and you saw a little bit of it in the first half, and it came really bad in the second half, was Auburn's run fits. Guys getting out of alignment, not fitting the gaps correctly, really got out of hand in the second half. Nick Singleton's an awesome running back. Auburn also made some really bad plays in run defense against him and Katron Allen uh, last week. So that was really surprising, you know, uh, that Auburn looked that bad in run defense when that had kind of been an area where they had done well in last season, the first couple of games of this season. So that's one of those things where it's like, is that just an off day for you? And can you tighten that up? I don't know how much Missouri is going to really challenge Auburn on the ground on uh, on Saturday. That's not their game. But the fact that Penn State was able to kind of do whatever they wanted in the second half and be able to stay balanced and they had the confidence to run the ball against Auburn uh, really turned that game, you know, sideways. So, again, I thought the Auburn's defensive front, not dominant, not as good as you would expect them to be. But they held their own early. And then in the second half, everything just went out of whack uh, for, for Auburn. And, and, and that's how you, you know, end up losing by 29 points. You know, just looking looking at a couple of things, the, the pressure still hasn't been there up front. I, I wonder if, uh-huh. if maybe Colby Wooden isn't being miscast as an interior guy. Uh, I, I don't know. But then the linebacker play, and again, you, you broke it down a lot more than uh, than I have even attempted to do, Justin. But it really appeared the linebackers were just nowhere near where they needed to be on Saturday. Absolutely, and it started really with that first touchdown run that uh, that Sean Clifford had on that draw play in the red zone. I mean, guys were just nowhere near where you needed to be. You're absolutely right. Just the bad fits, bad eyes, getting out of position. And we had heard in the first couple of games that Auburn was not playing clean enough at the second and third levels. But then to see it kind of exposed even more against a really good opponent, uh, it killed Auburn. It really, really killed Auburn. So I think that's my thing with Auburn's defense is that, you know, all of a sudden you don't think Colby Wooden and Derek Hall and Eku Leota and Owen Papo and Cam Riley and those guys in the secondary 
they didn't just become bad football players all of a sudden. They played well, and they played well together in the past, but they, you know, fundamentally and kind of what they were doing on the field, they did not do a good job of that at all against Penn State, and Penn State punished them for it. And so that's where you hear about execution. You hear about, you know, running the right things and all that. And when you hear a coach say that, especially Brian Harson, I think there's some fans this week that are pointing to it as like, oh, that's just blaming the players. It's a cop-out or anything like that. Execution lands on the coaches as well. Like, it, it's a big – you have to coach them and you have to fix these problems. You've got to do better. So, yeah, I was really, really surprised about how just off the run fits were against – Penn State, because that's just something we haven't seen from this defensive front, uh, you know, very much uh, in the last few years. So they got to tighten it up. I think they can tighten it up, but man, they, they it was it was just like one of those things where it just everything was going wrong for the defense in the second half, and that one was the new big thing that went wrong. And it's unfamiliar territory for most of the players on this team. I mean, it's Auburn's worst loss in in a, a pretty long time. You know, this past Saturday's game. So I mean, it's uh, now you've got. The, the question of can they, uh, can they pick themselves up off the mat and, and can they get back in the fight and take it to Missouri this Saturday or, uh, was it a, you know, was it a, a fairly fatal blow to this season, uh, delivered mm-hmm. by Penn State on Saturday? Now you know that it's, it's not good. We won't see TJ Finley or Zach Calzada according to, according to reports. Uh, you know, we, we expect, uh, mostly Robbie Ashford, but you have to wonder, you know, will, will they be tempted to push the Holden Gurner button? What, what do you expect from the Auburn offense against Missouri on Saturday, Justin? The main question for this team is can they trust Robbie Ashford down the full scope of the offense? That's the thing. At the beginning of, um, you know, the, the beginning of, of the season so far, outside of the last few drives in the Mercer and the Penn State games, we have seen him play situationally. We've seen him play in certain spots. Do you trust Robbie Ashford to run your offense completely? Do you trust him to throw the ball um, consistently enough to lead your offense and do the things that you lose in the fact that TJ Finley is not going to play? That's the main question. If not, this is where Holton Garner could step in because he's a guy that is a fit for what Auburn wants to do on offense. Um, he's a good passer of ball. He got a lot of rave reviews in the fall for – what he's doing now he's in a spot where Auburn might have to turn to him. So you're going to get a lot of questions answered Saturday in how they use Ashford and if they use Garner about like how they view Ashford in this offense. If he's ready to go, sure, go ahead, like you know, lean into it uh, as, as much as you can and let him run it because he has that experience. But if not, and they have to play Garner. That's going to be really, really interesting to see how that develops and that unfolds because you got also got to keep in mind, Holden Garner is just as new to this offense as Robbie Ashford is, and vice versa. Um, so it's just the fact that Ashford's gotten on the field some, some, some in the first three games has an impact on that. As for Auburn's offense, it's like you got to win up front. This defense for Missouri got ran all over by Deuce Vaughn in Kansas State a couple of weeks ago. They struggled with run defense last year. I know Auburn is not overly confident in their in their offensive line. That much was certain with the way they ran the ball or lack thereof against Penn State. But I feel like you got to take it to that. Penn State, I mean, uh, Missouri's defensive line has not really made a ton of plays so far this season. Um, you got to you got to start, you know, holding your own at the line of scrimmage if you're Auburn. Uh, and then yeah, the rest of Missouri's defense they got some dudes in the secondary, got some linebackers that make some plays and have experience. 
But it's like, I think now, especially knowing that you're going to have two of your, your two most inexperienced quarterbacks available to you, you got to run Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter. You absolutely have to. And even if it doesn't work early, you got to stick to it. This team is not built to throw the ball as much as they did last week. Talking with Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer here on the Thursday edition of the drive. And, and as for the Auburn defense, I mean, we, we've talked about sort of the things that have gone wrong. Is, is there anything in particular that, that has to improve against Missouri and, and a Missouri offense that has some questions of its own? You better watch out for Luther Burden. Um, he is very, very talented, um, you know, top five recruit in last year's class. Uh, Missouri is getting very creative and trying to find ways to get him the ball in his hands, not just as a receiver. He's their number three receiver right now, but he's coming off a game where he got the ball a good bit. Um, they've got two other receivers uh, right now that are that are producing pretty well. Their quarterback plays iffy. Their offensive line may have as many questions as Auburn's offensive line does. They don't really run the ball particularly well. But that quick passing game, that rhythm stuff, kind of fits with what uh, you would think a guy like Eli Drinkwitz would want to call for his offense in this game. And also, it's been stuff that has given Auburn some trouble um, in the first three games of the season. So you got to tighten up the coverage. We say this every week. you got to tighten it up. Luther Burton can make some huge plays on you. They've got other receivers with experience that are making good plays right now. Um, you can't let them nickel and dime you to death because I think Missouri is one of those teams that the makeup of their offense, they'd be just fine doing that, and they feel like they got enough speed to maybe hit a big play or two off of that without necessarily throwing it deep, deep downfield. So that's going to be tough. I mean, we've seen Auburn, like Auburn should be able to make Missouri one dimensional, or you would think so with the way they could stop the run and considering Missouri's offensive line. But as we saw in the San Jose state game, you can be pretty one dimensional against Auburn and still move the thing. So Missouri's going to be a lot more talented than that San Jose state team. So once again, it's just, is Auburn going to tighten things up in the secondary? Is their pass coverage going to be better? If not, uh, Missouri could give them a long day. Three notes about Missouri's defensive coordinator, Blake Baker, and you can pick one of them if, if it intrigues you. So he was LSU's co-defensive coordinator last year, so he was the D.C. for that game against Auburn. He was uh, Manny Diaz's protege, right? So he was uh, the defensive coordinator for Penn yep. State that had such success last week. He was basically the protege. He was a G.A. for Manny Diaz at Texas, followed him to... Louisiana Tech, I think, and uh, he worked for Brian Harson at Arkansas State, as did Eli Drinkwitz on the one year that Brian Harson was Arkansas State's uh, defense or was Arkansas State's uh, head coach. What, what do you uh, uh, is, is there is there any one of those things that you think could be telling in, in the matchup between defense uh, and, and offense uh, with Blake Baker taking it's, his defense up against Auburn? It's the Manny Diaz connection for sure. It's the fact that Manny Diaz had whatever he wanted going against Auburn's, uh, Auburn's offensive line last week. Very similar team in terms of structure, in terms of style and philosophy. If what Penn State was doing schematically was giving you a hard enough time last week, you better fix a lot of that because I think Missouri is going to try a lot of the same stuff. Um, and it's going to be a lot of stack the box, um, you know, blitz as much as you as much as you can to really get after the quarterback um, but also try to make Auburn one-dimensional so you've got to have some counters to it you got to have some fixes to it Missouri's defense isn't as talented as Penn State's is uh, Baker isn't Manny Diaz but they share a lot of similarities uh, and I think what you saw last week against Penn State could be a blueprint to really really hurt Auburn on offense um, so Auburn's got to show that they can counter off of that this weekend 
Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer, outstanding as always. Tell everybody, I'm sure it's going to be a very busy mailbag uh, tomorrow. Tell everybody yeah. about all the all the work you do and where they can find it. Yeah, some huge mailbag out tomorrow. I'm not even close to finishing yet. It's part of the reason why I'm still back here and on in studio. Hopefully, I'll be back next week. But yeah, a lot of stuff going on today. We had a couple podcasts previewing the Missouri game. You can check out if you're a subscriber. Film room on the offensive line. Uh, a story on Auburn's, um, you know, running game and, and lack thereof against Penn State and what they can do to Missouri is also up there. Did some basketball as well this week if you want some lighter news uh, for, for Auburn fans right now. And then, like you said, Dan, over the weekend, it's going to be a lot of coverage, um, observations from the game, recap podcast. We send everything we do straight to your email inbox. It's $6 a month or $60 a year to sign up. Um, there's going to be a lot of stuff going on here in these next few weeks. So you want to sign up, sit for the Observer, auburnobserver.com. Check it out. Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer, our usual Thursday guest, and we look forward to the next time we will talk to Justin. All the best, Justin. Enjoy your uh, weekend, and uh, who knows what you may be writing about in the next couple of days. Yeah, I appreciate it. See you guys on Saturday, and like I said, hopefully I'll be back in there next week. Absolutely. Godspeed, bud. Uh, we will uh, we'll take a break. Uh, we'll, we'll check back in with Bill, and we will open up the phone lines. We're going to talk with David Paschal. Might be tough to open the phone lines because we're going to be cutting it close at the bottom of the hour there, and then we're going to talk with David Paschal to start hour number two. We will open up the phone lines eventually, uh, but it's uh, yeah, great to talk with Justin uh, Ferguson about all the uh, stuff that he's covering and all the stuff going on around the Auburn football program right now. We'll be back. You're listening to The Drive. Pediatric patients with on-site lab testing, X-ray, IV. And that will do it for our number one on the Thursday edition of The Drive. We're going to talk with David Pascal from the Chattanooga Times Free Press in hour number two. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Thursday edition of The Drive. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello and welcome in. It is our number two. Of the Thursday edition of The Drive, Dan Peck in the studio, Bill Cameron doing the show via the internet from home as he recuperates, and Drew at the controls doing great work as always. We're going to talk with David Paschal from the Chattanooga Times Free Press in the next few minutes. Get the phone lines back open after that. If you missed hour number one, 
Scott Bagwell, the voice of Auburn High School Athletics, and Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer both joined us, and you should check that out via the podcast when it is available after the show. Podcast of the Drive presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Just search for the Drive on your favorite podcasting platform. You can find the show, or you can check out the podcast center at RadioAlabama.net and the ESPN 1067 tab. Uh, we uh, have some housekeeping to take care of in hour number two. Hour number two of the Drive brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with a Locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. You can call the show 334-321-1390 on the Kia of Auburn hotline. You can text the show 334-564-1840 on the drive text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Let's get to the phones. And David Pascal from the Chattanooga Times Free Press joins us as we uh, as as we appreciate every single Thursday during football season to uh, cover so much going on around the conference. As you can understand, David, we've been talking a lot of Auburn uh, th- this week following the uh, the Penn State game. So some of the other games from this past weekend and uh, this coming weekend may have fallen through the cracks a little bit uh, on our show, uh, but uh, I'm sure you understand, right? I mean, it's, uh, it- it's, uh, it's a busy time around here. I understand, Dan, and my first question for you, flipping flipping roles here, uh, has it been more anger or apathy from the callers? Yeah. Oh, there's not a lot of apathy, David. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's good, because apathy is the worst, as we all know. Oh, right. no, no, no. They're, people care. It's just, uh, you know, I mean, uh, we, we've talked about it this week, Brian Harson had said, and, and look, I I'd try to give him as much of the benefit of the doubt as possible, thinking they'd obviously been holding things back. We hadn't seen everything. It couldn't be all that there was, but he asked us to watch, and I said it a little while ago, you know, I can't unsee what we watched now. Yeah, and I tell you, I, I had flashbacks of, of uh, you know, I always wondered in 1997 when Auburn won the West, and you're like, wow, this Damian Craig sure is exciting. But they sure do rely on Damian Craig a lot. I wonder what they're going to look like when they're when he's gone. And you saw it that '98 team with uh, you know Gabe Gross and Ben Leard really struggled out of the gate. There just wasn't a whole lot of offensive pizzazz. You know, Bo Nix had his highs and lows, but you know, you certainly by the end of last year, you were just like you know you were banking on what Brian Harson said that that TJ Finley was vastly improved, and um, you know you just did not. See that last Saturday. So something I've been asking some folks this week, David. And I'd love to get your thoughts on it, and you can you can focus it directly on Brian Harson, or you can speak more in generalities. You know, it it feels like not all that long ago in college football, it was unreasonable for a coach in year two to be under a lot of heat, unless the coach he'd taken over for was wildly successful and he'd immediately driven the thing you know, into a ditch or something like that. But it's a little bit different with Brian Harson, And I wonder if, how, how appropriate is it, how fair is it to criticize a coach in year two for problems that may have to do, at, at least in large part, with the talent on the roster, keeping in mind that there are ways for coaches to upgrade their talent uh, like never before in college football, especially uh, via the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, that's fair, Dan. And I, I think, you know, I actually wrote on that yesterday when you think about the, the second-year successes of coaches because, uh, you know, Nick Saban and Kirby Smart are the, are the poster children for that. that. You know, Alabama and Georgia each improved by five victories 
the second seasons of Saban, which would have been 08 and Smart and 17. Um, you know, and, and to a lesser degree, it's happening at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt has already passed its uh, over-under total for this season. I mean, Clark Lee, you know, it, it may be mild. I mean, baby steps compared to the Saban and Smart's examples, but you do need to see some improvement. And, you know, when you try to step back, I, 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 to this day, uh, I remember where I was. I was sitting at, in, in my house on a, on a Sunday when I got the, the, the email from, from Auburn saying it had moved on from Gus Malzahn. And, and it surprised me that they chose to – there were four firings that year in the SEC. I didn't think there would be any because we were in a global pandemic. Um, but, you know, to fire a coach when you didn't have anybody lined up and you kind of went back and forth with the whole Kevin Steele and all that, uh, it just, I, I think, I think Gus Malzahn left Brian Harson, uh, a subpar offensive line, but from what, and I know y'all know Auburn's roster a lot better than I do, but I, you know, I, I got up to Knoxville last week and watched every play of that game. Uh, I see a lot more than an offensive line that's ailing Auburn right now. That's what, to answer your question, Dan, I think they've regressed in other areas and that's where I'd be concerned is, is, you know, and that's where I'm just, I'm not sure if that, if two years, you know, if, if things aren't working, you don't you don't start looking at decisions. Yeah, that's one of the things we've been talking about, David. Is like the uh, the running backs, uh, the the defense has has really been disappointing to this point, and um, they've got to know what the you know what the capabilities of their offensive players are. Yet they seem to be doing some things that don't really fit the talents of some of those players. I mean, when it comes to game planning, but the biggest, one of the biggest things that, that we've been hearing and talking about, uh, well, basically down the stretch last year and again this year, is the inability to make adjustments at halftime. Second halves have just been disasters for Auburn the last uh, six Power 5 games. Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's the thing. I mean, you, you break down, and you know, in, in print, it's a, eight and eight record but i mean that's the thing you're talking about uh you know an akron in there you're talking about a san jose state you're talking i mean he's really three and eight in legitimate games and 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 i'm trying to be you know look for the bright side but i mean where is the bright side you look at at recruiting rankings and auburn's like 13th or 14th in the league whatever they are there's just not a lot of positive momentum and, and i think that you know, and, and we've talked about it before. Auburn has defied logic on so many occasions. I mean, you think about, uh, how the Pat Dye era ended with sanctions and Terry Bowden goes 11 and 0 his first year. And then 98 was a disaster. And Tommy Tuberville's playing for the SEC championship two years later. Uh, you know, two years after Tuberville resigns at five and seven, they win a national championship. Uh, a year after Chiswick resigns, they play for another national championship. I mean, Auburn has defied logic through the years, but this is the first time where you just kind of look and you're like, I'm not sure where the light is at the end of this tunnel because Alabama and Georgia are continuing to be way up there in the rankings. You're about to have two new neighbors walk in in Texas and Oklahoma that are way up there in the recruiting rankings. Uh, I just think this is kind of the, the bleakest outlook for Auburn that I've seen um, really since, I don't know, because even Barfield went eight and three. Yeah, the, well, we, we were talking about it too, David, that this ball game, you'll recall this one. People asked me, did this game remind them of 2012? And I said, no, 
Actually, the ball game Saturday reminded me of the Tennessee game in 1980, coming off an 8-3 and three season, a, a huge crowd excited, thinking great things could possibly be on the horizon, and you go out and lay an egg the way Auburn did back in 80. Yeah, I mean, if you want to compare it to 2012, because you've already hit the nail on the head about the defense. I mean, the, the defense has not shown anything special yet. And in, in 2012, I think for a large part of that season, the defense held its own. It's just the offense kept going three and out. And by the end of the year, they were just on the field for forever. And then when you had Bama, you know, Georgia and Bama as your last two games, they were done. Um, you know, I think the defense on that 12 team is better than the defense this year. And, and I was at both of the games to start the 2003 season, the USC game and then the Georgia Tech game a week later. And I can say what, what feels different about this versus that is that you felt like in 2003 you were seeing underachievement, right? Like you knew how good the potential was at different spots and you just, you know, you were sort of, it was perplexing to see it in neutral, and, and there was also the growing realization that USC was really, really good in, in 2003. But there was, you know, there, there was at least some belief that, you know, this thing could get figured out. This, this feels like, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how you solve this puzzle, David, unless, unless somebody emerges as a superstar at the quarterback position that we haven't seen play like a superstar yet. You know, that, that would go a long way. It doesn't cover up everything. There's some other problems too, but, uh, you know, it, it does feel like Auburn's, you know, stepping into the start of a pretty cold winter uh, this season. Yeah, right? and, and I mean, I, I do agree what, uh, you know, you do have, I mean, if there is a bright side to this, there is a transfer portal that hasn't always existed. It's just, you know, when you think about a situation where there was some back and forth on, you know, the whole, like I said, the whole firing of Malzahn in a pandemic and not knowing who you had lined up, it, it you know, Auburn's booster situation kind of, reared its head i mean you know from the outside it's viewed as a it can be viewed as dysfunctional and so you you do have the issue of who wants to go there as, as and i'm talking about a head coach or transfers or whatever the case may be um because yeah in this day and age you've got to have a really nice offensive line and a really nice quarterback and auburn right now doesn't have either one of them so it is it's scary i've got a i've got a niece down there who's a sophomore from Asheville, north carolina and i I don't want her first two years to be six and seven and four and eight, but I mean, that's what they could be looking at. And David, you know, you're up there in Chattanooga. I've heard a lot of Auburn people say, well, we don't want to become the next Tennessee. Don't look now, but I, I mean, look at the last eight years or so. I think Auburn is there. Yeah, your, your coach is looking pretty Dooley esque at the moment, and I don't mean Vince. Well, the, uh, well, look at what's happened. I mean, you're not going to out recruit. Alabama and Georgia. Nobody is right now. Uh, and so to mix it up and try to, you know, win your share of those games, you've got to offer something different. And, and Gus Malzahn did that. And when it worked, you know, he won three iron bowls when it didn't work. I mean, yes, there were some lopsided losses. Uh, but right now, who's the, who's the chief, uh, entertaining innovator in the SEC? It's, it's Josh Heifel up the road. So Tennessee kind of, uh, you know, has that chance to replace Auburn as the t Tennessee is not going to out recruit Bama and Georgia, but Tennessee's going to do something different enough to where they have a chance in some years. That's what they've got. And right now, Auburn's lost that. Talk, yeah, well, David, go, go before ahead, we man. let you go, I'd love to get your thoughts. I mean, um, we spent most of the time leading up to this week talking about Auburn, but speaking of Tennessee, 
They are big, big favorites against the Florida Gators coming in this weekend, and it's hard for me to not see that happening. I'm the same way. I, you know, uh, Josh Heifel's been very vague on the health of uh, Cedric Tillman. He landed awkwardly the other night, um, and so I don't know his status for the game. Of course, they've got a couple other receivers in Brew McCoy, who's real physical like Tillman, and Jalen Hyatt, who had a really big breakout game the other night. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Tennessee just really seems like they're clicking. Uh, you think about it, since he's become the starter last year, which was the third game against Tennessee Tech, he actually – replaced Joe Milton against Pittsburgh in the second game. But since he became the starter, uh, Hendon Hooker's thrown 35 touchdowns and been intercepted twice. That's just a phenomenal stat. Uh, meanwhile, there's a whole lot of doubt that has crept in these last couple of weeks with Anthony Richardson. I mean, he has looked uh, beyond, uh, you know, worse than mediocre uh, the last couple of weeks. So I think that's going to be, you know, I think Florida's big advantage will be can they run. They've been able to run the ball. You know, it's it's funny because we've been talking about Auburn and, you know, they're struggling and they have a struggling offensive line. You know, Florida has kind of struggled, but they've got a really good offensive line. And and so Florida trying to run the ball against Tennessee's defensive interior, which is kind of an unheralded bunch, uh, I think that becomes a big key for Florida. You know they're going to want to try to keep the ball away from Tennessee's offense. So I think time of possession from the Florida standpoint becomes really big. But I I picked Tennessee 38-23. I just I think Tennessee's got a good thing going right now. I really do. What are you expecting in Arlington with Texas A&M and, and Arkansas? Ooh, I mean, I would think not tons of points. I think Arkansas won this game 20 to 10 last year. Um over/unders right around it, 50. I think I think some folks maybe expect uh some some touchdowns, but I but I know what you mean. I'm I'm feeling the same way. Yeah, I've got, I mean, uh, Texas A&M's got offense has to show you something. I mean, you know, I love football as much as anybody, but but Texas A&M right now is sleep inducing as far as watching them play. I mean, that is not a fun football team to watch. So um, I, I don't know. Something about it. Some about something tells me that Texas A&M's kind of going to live on the edge for a little bit, uh, and so I think they pull out a, a close one in this one. But I have no rhyme or reason to think that. It's, it's just a hunch. I, I want Arkansas undefeated for the Alabama showdown in a week, but I but I'm with you. I have no idea. What, what's what's going to happen Saturday night between those two teams and and very you know the the outcome especially with A and M you know they feel like a total dice roll at the moment between what you might get and and what, and what you should be expecting. What about Missouri and Auburn? What, what uh you know that that's you know speaking of speaking of not sure what you're going to get uh, right now. What are you what are you thinking with those two teams at 11 a.m. at Jordan Hare? Yeah, that's uh ugh, I know that's not the desired time for Auburn fans, but uh, is there a desire 20- is there a desired time? Right now for, for, for that game? Uh, I would think if you're going to play a game like that, you might as well enjoy the day and vibe and, and, and rock and roll at 6 or 7 o'clock. But uh, I picked Auburn 24-19. I have no, no idea what to expect. I mean, I, I do think this is the perfect get-well team for Auburn to play. I think, I think Missouri has been very uninspiring. I mean, they, clo- they score on the last play of the game – to lose 40 to 12 at K-State and then come back against Abilene Christian, you know, a team you think they'd beat like 45-7 and they win 34-17. So I, I think you can make the argument that Missouri is the weakest team in the SEC. Um, and so you definitely don't want to lose to that or else you could be looking at a coaching change real quick. Yeah. If they don't get well this week, then uh, they'll, they'll get something else. Yeah. I, I just, 
that last Saturday shocked me. I, I just, I, I did not have forty-one twelve on my bingo card. Okay, David, one one more question, and you know, in, in the off chance, and it's not, you know, it depends on what happens, but but if if we are approaching a coaching search in Auburn soon, uh, what what sorts of things should be prioritized? You know, when Auburn looks for its next coach, you know, after uh, a, you know, after uh, a, a mixed mixed results. Uh, lackluster uh, tenure for from Brian Harson uh, that may be uh, approaching its end. Yeah, I mean the the problem in this day and age, as you guys know, is is the, people sink their claws into these high school prospects earlier and earlier, and and that's what. And I don't want to be just Debbie Downer here, but you know you you do want a guy who can recruit, but whoever comes in there and recruits, even in this NIL era. Uh, you, you know, you're almost like two classes behind because everybody else has just got their, you know, their fingernails in them. And, and so I just, I just, I think they had with Malzahn, again, that you had a guy that could at least, you know, make things entertaining and make you think about stuff. And, and again, that's where Heifel just continues to blow people away with how innovative and how intriguing and entertaining. Cause that's the other thing. You saw this sometimes with, uh, you know, with Florida, if you go back a decade, Will Muschamp had an 11-win season at Florida, but it was kind of a dull team to watch. And and so you had you would have 15,000 empty seats at a Florida game, even though they had a really nice record. So not only do you need to be, you know, not only do you need to win, but you need to be exciting when you win. And, and right now, Auburn is doing none of that. So, I mean, I do kind of think you need to lean toward who's your bright, young, innovative guy. And so... Um, you know, I don't know how good the market is right now. I did see where the athletic reported Nebraska's looking at Leopold and Matt Campbell and Bill O'Brien. And that, that's not a bad threesome as far as candidates, uh, to have in your pool. I, I, you know, I just, I don't know right now because from the outside, I can assure you there is a, there is a high view of dysfunction level given the way the Malzahn, Steele, Harson, all that thing. If I had to guess, based on the last couple of days, the popular candidate is Lane Kiffin for for Auburn folks. I, mean, I know it's a fair it's fair to wonder if if he would uh, make the jump. I'm I'm a big Jamie Chadwell fan, but after Brian Harson came in, unfamiliar with the SEC, can you hire somebody who you know the biggest school he's ever coached at is Coastal Carolina, right? I mean, D- Dave Clawson's winning a lot of games at Wake. You know, is is the name value there enough? So no, I, I think there's a. Uh, there, there's there's a lot of interesting questions that could be asked if Auburn has to uh, go find a new coach. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I get yeah, it sounds. Uh, yeah, the question is when do they get started on it? And and I do think this this weekend's result will will have an impact on that for sure. Could be could be pretty soon if Missouri comes to Jordan Heron wins in their first ever visit to the uh, to the stadium. Uh, David, tell everybody how they can find all the great work you do. Times uh, com and ESPNChattanooga.com. I hope uh, I hope things get better. I know it's uh, like I said. I never I, I I timed it right when I was a student down there. Three straight SECs under Pat Dye. Um, it's 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 weird to see Auburn uh, with all its tr- tradition and its potential uh, go through a, a stretch like this. But again, I, I just I'm like you. I think this is a a long tunnel that Auburn hadn't been in for decades and and i don't know where the light is at the end of it david pascal uh, cheering us all up with a pretty <laughs> pretty pretty bleak prognosis of the of the situation but you know we would have we would have hung up on him if he was lying and he and he and he absolutely wasn't <laughs> great 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 stuff david really appreciate it we'll talk to you again soon all right you guys take care have a good weekend
David Pascal, everybody, he's the best, right, Bill? Just, just the best, and uh, and it's great, great to talk to him. We will, uh, we'll take a break and come back with more. You're listening to the Drive. Now, more of the Drive, the Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 106.7 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. The bottom of the hour break coming up here on the Thursday edition of the drive. we got tickets to... Uh, Oh, that's right. To the game on Saturday. I tell you what, next person who calls in, if they want, how many we got, Drew? We got a pair of tickets to Auburn, Missouri on Saturday. What section are they in? Let me, let me see those things. What kind of seats. I don't, I don't want to give out any specific information. We got a pair of seats in section 61 uh, to uh, to somebody who wants a uh, a pair of tickets to see Auburn and Missouri on Saturday morning in uh, in, in what could be a very important game. In, uh, in in the uh, in, in in this season and beyond for for Auburn football, right? It could be the start of a rebound after Auburn's deflating loss to Penn State on Saturday, or it could be uh, the uh, the you know the, the you know, it could be the last game before pretty major changes are are uh, undertaken uh, for the Auburn football program. It's not much of a sales pitch for uh, for for going to see this. <laughs> I want to see this game. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I mean, the thing is, it's uh, it's going to be an opportunity to see Robbie Ashford get the start. Maybe your first opportunity to see Holden Gurner as a college uh, quarterback. What are you thinking uh, regarding Holden Gurner? Do you think it's uh, do you think it's something that they would? I guess I guess we you know we asked the question about the length of TJ's leash, right? Like, how how long do you think they give Robbie Ashford before they think, you know, we you know maybe maybe it, you, you, you need to see someone else. Well, do you think or do they think they can go the rest of the season with Robbie being almost the every-down quarterback? Because we know Zach Calzada is not going to be back. We don't know when T.J. Finley's going to be back. Do you want to save the red shirt or are you just doing I mean, look, we've seen it around the league and a lot of other, other schools where all of a sudden three or four games in, quarterbacks go down, bad you know struggles at quarterback, and you'll see a true freshman playing. Let's, let's be – Let's be yeah. clear about the red shirt, though. It doesn't matter at all to Brian Harson. No, I mean, Bri- no Brian Harson is not in a position to care. Win every ball game. Yeah, he is not in a position to care about Holden Gurner's red shirt and his extra year of eligibility in 2026 or whatever it would mean if if Holden if Holden redshirted uh, this season. He's not. He's not in that position. I think your questions no. about uh, about using uh, Robbie as an every down quarterback are fair ones. I mean, I, I think back to. I mean, I mean, uh, who was who were quarterbacks that took like a time? I mean, Denard Robinson, right? You think about like quarterbacks that ran the ball, you know, two hundred plus times or whatever in their, you know, in, in in seasons, and it's a tough way to it's a tough way to make a living. Like yeah, that, but that. I don't see Brian Harson. I don't see Brian Harson. Eric Esau running Robbie Ashford, just sprinting him out. That means you got to rely on his arm more, right? And and you want well, how many of them are going to be designed runs? Yeah, I don't know about in that, that situation. Either. How many of them might be scrambles? You know, pass plays that become runs because Robbie Ashford had to run in the situation. It's it, you know it's something we'll see on Saturday. More drive coming up. We'll throw the phone lines open three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Love to hear from you. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the drive.
Let's get back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Hour number two of the Thursday Drive. Dan Peck in the studio. Bill Cameron working from home. He's connected digitally. Drew at the controls. Answering your phones. 334-321-1390. Answering uh, your calls. And uh, uh, we've got... Well, we've got a pair of tickets to Auburn, Missouri on Saturday. If you'd like them, just call in and tell Drew you'd like these free pair of tickets. Do we have a do we have a sponsor? We thank for these coming to just Auburn, the Auburn Athletic Department. I guess shout out to Auburn for, for hooking us up with a uh, with a pair of tickets there. If you want the tickets, give us a call three three four three two one thirteen ninety. The number to dial. A lot to talk about. Some quarterback news earlier today. Zach Calzada will uh, take the medical red shirt this year. That was reported, uh, I guess, on three is being credited with the with the original report, but uh, something uh, as as has been rumored. You know, the the health of Zach Calzada was something that folks were wondering about uh, even before this week. But now we've got a yeah, we've got a little bit of clarity that Zach Calzada will be unavailable for the rest of this season as he undergoes surgery on his non throwing shoulder. T.J. Finley spotted in a sling earlier this week. Not going to play this Saturday, according to reports, and I would—I uh, I think it's fair to wonder when or if you'll see T.J. Finley again, especially with the reports that uh, you know there is a, it, that things are not harmonious in the locker room. We've got some callers hanging on, Bill. Uh, we've got who, who am I congratulating for the tickets? Bill, Bill, not Bill Cameron, a different Bill won the uh, won, won the Missouri tickets, so we've we've given away the pair of tickets we have to. Saturday's game, you know, you you never know. Might find another pair of tickets at some point, uh, you know, in in the next uh, day or so. But we've given away the pair of tickets we had for tomorrow's game. Congratulations to Bill. We've got callers holding on. Uh, let's get to Crawford, who is first up. What's up, Crawford? Hey, Danny, Bill. Uh, I had called in last week and said if we lost six and six, but I'm afraid I was a little too optimistic. So, you well, know, yeah, I, I don't say we can be better than four and eight. I really don't. Uh, it's a, it's a hell of a note. I, I did not call Monday because I was still so PO'd. And so if it, this question has been answered, I apologize. Uh, I don't understand why at the end of the first quarter that we didn't uh, throw a flag and have a review at the end of the quarter because the quarter was over before the snap, which, which means there's no, there's no pass. We kick a field goal. No, you're absolutely right uh, about that, Crawford. I mean, how does how does no one in the box or anywhere notice when they even noticed on TV? It seems like somebody would have gotten word that, hey, let's challenge that. We'll win, and that's no play. Right. That's there was, exactly there was, right. And, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Throw it away. We, we got a chance to kick a field goal. I mean, I don't. it doesn't change the outcome of the game, Bill. But you know what? That's coaching. I mean, that's you've got to have somebody that knows what the hell's going on, and we don't. I can't argue that. I mean, no, that that's not something we, amid everything that happened on Saturday and since Saturday. That's not something we've talked about a lot. If you don't know what what Crawford's mentioning, it's it's the uh, the the last pass of the first quarter, the interception by T.J. Finley. Uh, he snapped the ball after the clock had gone to zero uh, to end the quarter. That is challengeable, and uh, if if it's uh, if it, I, I guess it's Auburn would have gotten another third and six. 
right? Yes. It would have started the second yeah, quarter with third and not six. Not saying we're going to do anything with it, but at least if we have an incomplete pass, we kick a, we have a chance to kick a field goal and, you know, three more points and just, I don't, it doesn't change the outcome because the second half was absurd, but, uh, Anyway, just wanted to bring that up, guys. Thank y'all much. No, it's, an, it's, another, it's another example of things slipping through the cracks. I think there have been, um, you know, if, if you want to talk about, and again, it's not execution, but if you want to talk about some of the uh, the procedural things that we've noticed this year, there have been odd decisions to be overly aggressive on third and very long. There have been unusual timeouts uh, taken in in certain moments. Uh, and and there and there was yeah the, the decision not to challenge uh, a play that resulted in an Auburn interception when Auburn may have won the challenge and been allowed to extend their drive deep in Penn State territory rather than turn the ball over to end the first quarter. Would you say that's fair, Bill? Yeah, I would say that's very fair. I mean, you know, the, there was a um, you know folks have noticed how many more staff, how much more staff that uh, Brian Harson has brought in the support staff. It would seem like somebody would be keeping an eye on the clock and the down and distance and things like that just to uh, to make sure something like that didn't happen. 334-321-1390, the number to dial again. Congratulations to Bill, uh, who uh, won the uh, uh, won the tickets uh, earlier to uh, to the uh, to, to Saturday's game between Auburn and Missouri. Appreciate the phone call, Crawford. Uh, let's get to uh, Terry, who is up next. What's up, Terry? Hey, Dan. Hey, Bill. How y'all doing? Doing all right. Good to hear all right, from you. Terry. Good, good, good talk to you as always. Dan, Dan, Bill, you help me out here. Uh, there was a there was a caller, a frequent caller to your show, told you Brian Harson was going to be a disaster from day one. Who was that? Was it you? Were you never uh, that on would board, be Terry? Yeah, that would have been me. That would be me. And it turns out it's funny to sit back and listen to people say the things I tried to tell y'all for weeks and, and years upon years, a couple of years now. Uh, the, the thing about the clock you just mentioned by Crawford and other things, you know, going on, you know, that talks about T.J. Finley off the field, that that kind of stuff. It's funny to hear if I said all things, say people would have called up and called me every name in the book. But I don't think he's losing the team. I think he's already lost it. Uh, it's hard to say that he hasn't. I mean, with some of the things that have gone on since the ball game on Saturday, it's going to be really hard. I, I know there are an awful lot of players that uh, that decided to come back and 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 get you know put in the extra time just buying in on Brian Harson. But it's hard to believe that the young guys and everyone now can still be on the same page. Well, Dan, I'm not there with you on, on Jamie Chadwell. I think he'd be an excellent coach. I, I realize his history. He's only been a coach at Coastal Carolina. But there's a guy I think his best days are in front of him. Oh, no, I, guy, I love – That's I love, a guy I would pull for. My biggest yeah, concern – Yeah, like, what, around 45 or something. I, I think, yeah. I, I, I think, think he's absolutely. even – Absolutely. He's, he's one of those young up-and-coming – I just wonder there there's some people now at Auburn that are afraid to hire someone who hasn't been at a Power 5 school. And you can understand that to a degree. Yeah. Right, I think especially in the aftermath of Brian Harson, my my concerns with Jamie Chadwell. I mean, I've I've watched a lot of Coastal Carolina football over the last couple of years, and my concerns aren't. Uh, you know, I, I think given given the players, I, I think Jamie Chadwell would be you know a really really interesting. You know, he'd, he'd be able to compete, and and even you know can can he find players that fit his system? He's been able to do it at Coastal Carolina. The big concern is. You're hiring someone who, you know, the biggest job he's ever had is Coastal right. Carolina. But no, I right. think Jamie Chadwell, he's 45. He's really interesting, uh, in, engaging. And, and even, even though it's a group of five, I, I suspect that if an SEC team or a major conference school hired Jamie Chadwell, especially one from the SEC or the ACC, it'd be less foreign, uh, you know, as far as what, what it takes, you know, that the top levels of, 
of, of bowl subdivision football. I mean, I think he's had a closer look, uh, at least, you know, geographically and, and with some of the teams Coastal's played to, to high-level football. But, but no, I'm a, I'm a big Jamie Chadwell fan. I, I think uh, whoever gets him could be on the road to success. It's just, you know, will, uh, will, will Auburn be able to, to, uh, to, to take those risks if it's Auburn looking for a coach after the season and they consider Jamie Chadwell? No, I'm not there with you, Dan. But who do you guys think will end up with the Nebraska job? I'm curious. What's y'all's just personal opinions? You know, it's interesting. Jamie Chadwell's name has been mentioned there because the uh, former... It's an interesting story. So Jamie Chadwell replaced a guy named uh, Joe Joe Mogula. Moglia. Moglia, yeah. He was the... uh, he was like a TD Ameritrade banker who yeah. who retired after 20 years and became an intern at Nebraska and then took a co- took the job at Coastal Carolina as the head coach and and he is a really influential figure in the state of Nebraska because of his work mm. at TD Ameritrade and he's been advocating for Jamie Chadwell at the University of Nebraska and he's a he's a name that people listen to both in the Nebraska athletic department and beyond a lot of people think Matt Campbell is the uh, is the rumored uh, top name on Trev Alberts's list uh, the AD at Nebraska that that's the uh, the Iowa State coach uh, but but I think uh uh, Jay- is Nebraska that much better than Iowa State? I think they, they'd, they'd pay more. I think he'd probably be in position to get a, a pretty significant raise jumping from Iowa State to Nebraska. He's, he's gotten a couple of pretty big raises there. He, he has. You know, I, I wonder. You know what the what and, and and it's the Big Ten versus the Big Twelve, right? With mm-hmm. the with the Big Twelve right. sort of you know future a little bit uncertain uh, with with Texas and Oklahoma leaving. I can see why someone would want to make a jump into the Big Ten or the SEC right now, and a move to Nebraska is a move into the Big Ten for for Matt Campbell. But those are the names. I've heard Matt Campbell and Jamie Chadwell uh, as, as Nebraska yeah. candidates. Interesting stuff. You guys take care. Have a good night. Good stuff, Terry. Appreciate it, Terry. Yeah, Jamie Chadwell. The the only thing I've heard. I mean, I, everybody really uh, respects what he has done, but he has never been at a Power Five school as an assistant um, or or as a head coach. East Tennessee, Charleston Southern, mm-hmm. North Greenville, Delta State, Coastal Carolina. Yeah, the, the so, biggest the biggest you know, program he's ever coached at is Coastal Carolina. That's right. Which, which and, is and, and yeah. those guys there. You generally are taking what's left recruiting wise. So I mean, that's the thing. If if your if your main crux, if that, that biggest thing is talent acquisition, you just don't know. Maybe he'll be a great recruiter, but you just don't know. Sure. And and or maybe he can find guys. Maybe he's the one who can find like the players that fit his system and, and he won't uh, need to win every single recruiting battle in order to have it, but uh, that's a that's a dangerous thing to gamble on. And yeah, I, can un- I can understand why you'd want to you'd want someone with more of a track record as a high level recruiter at a big time school. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. The number to dial. What's the uh, uh, next up? We've got Casey on the line. What's up, Casey? Good afternoon, guys. Good to hear from you. Great, to, great to hear you guys. Always glad that you have the platform. Always a great show. Um, Look, I, I had concerns and I called the show last year. Like the first thing that Brian Harson should have been focused on. I mean, it's not Emba. It wasn't any of the transfer guys from defense. He should have went out there and got four or five offensive linemen. He didn't do that. He didn't even try. Didn't, I don't know if he tried. Maybe he did. Maybe he struck out, but I mean, that was a position that he had to bring in at least three linemen. Uh, especially with Nick Brahms going down. Like, nobody knew that but except them inside the program, which would have been even more a reason to go out and get transfer line. He just didn't do it. Y'all, the line is the problem. You know, T.J. Finley, if he could actually sit back there without having to come up in the pocket every other snap, you know, he'd probably been serviceable if we just leaned on tank and we could actually get pushed. But we're struggling with San Jose State. We're struggling with Mercer. 
to some degree, the line of scrimmage move is moving back against better competition, and that's just a recipe for for losses. Um, yeah, you're right. There's not, you know. So I mean, and, and that's not all Brian Harson's fault. It's, he's got a little bit to do with it. I mean, that he should have focused on getting that in the transfer. Should have made that priority number one, but he didn't. That's coaching. That's that's being a recruiter. Well, and the other the other um, question, Casey, I would then say is if if you don't go out and get the needed offensive lineman in the portal, do you have to adjust your system to a system that can that 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 maybe these offensive line can execute with with a a better chance of of success rather than you know it does, it does seem like a you know a power run play action offense is is gonna is gonna have a hard time. Uh, with with these, no, but the only offense is going to work is going to be uh, triple option, old school triple option, because you can actually uh, all you really do is got to get a hat on a hat. But I mean, if we're going to go back <laughs> doing that, and you get down by twenty one uh, by by two touchdowns, it's impossible to come back. I mean, it's just, the problem is is when you're playing big boy football, you gotta you gotta focus on the line of scrimmages on both sides. You know, it's kind of like getting the Corvette engine, but you put a hundred seventy five horsepower engine in it instead. Looks great. Runs like crap. Um, so, I mean, Gus has really damaged our recruiting on offensive line. I think that he's probably 75 to 85% responsible because when Jeff Grimes left, I mean, he's basically a void offensive line coach. Um, if we do go another direction, which, I mean, maybe I'll be honest with you, Brian Harson's not going to do well with the offensive line we've got. Nobody is. Um Period. Um, so if we decide to go into a different direction, you know, I told you I thought we should just go with Kevin Steele for right now and just wait and build the program to get someone better. That's what I said. Because absolutely Kevin Steele was pulling the whole program in Gus's last four years. If it wasn't for Kevin Steele, Gus would have been gone a long time ago and he probably wouldn't have got extensions. I mean, Kevin Steele. We appreciate the phone call, Casey. I mean, Kevin Steele still got um, he's got supporters, you know, within the program. You know, yeah, it, it was... I don't think that's going to happen this time, though, Dan. But I, I don't disagree that Kevin Steele's defense had an awful lot to do with Auburn's success that they did have. Uh, one thing I was going to say is Brian Harson. It appears that what Brian Harson and his staff decided to do with the offensive line is just focus on getting them bigger and stronger, and they thought that they were going to be big and strong enough to do what they wanted, but it obviously hasn't worked. You know, something I was thinking, I was thinking this a little earlier today, and, you know, the, a, a lot of people, you know, always talk about the the, uh, the the hands in there trying to run the program and, and the meddling and things like that. And there were some folks that, uh, that, that didn't like, Coach Die having anything to say about the way the program was going? I'm I'm 180 degrees away from that. I think one thing that that Brian Harson, it's a shame Brian Harson didn't have Pat Die to tell him to, or to, to at least to be available to let him know what he thought he he ought to be doing getting prepared for playing in the SEC. Yeah, but it's 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 a good thing for Brian Harson that we can't have Pat Dye on the show right now to ask him oh, about Oh, you're the, right about ask, that. Yeah, ask him about if, the Penn if, State if Brian game. Harson hadn't hadn't taken some advice or listened to Coach Dye, uh, I, I'd, I'd be loving every gym that oh. we'd be getting. Oh, man. Dye. All right, let's get to Susan before we take our uh, final break of uh, the, uh, the, the uh, of hour number two. What's up, Susan? Hey, I'll be real quick. Um, I'm not on the planes. My daughter is. And, you know, of course, that game, as your other uh, – guest has said 
I mean, she's crying. She was so upset. Um, do we have any idea of when they're going to name the AD? Could it be, you know, Randy Campbell or um, Quentin Ringens? And who, who you all are hearing on the planes, who's going to be the top three coaches uh, that they would look at hiring if we could get them? Um, I'm going to hang up and see so can get other callers on there. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, as far as timetable for the AD, I really don't know. I mean, I've been hearing that uh, probably before the end of the year. I don't know that they're going to rush that anymore. And, I mean, there's all kinds of names that are being speculated. I know. I mean, Randy Campbell would love love to be it. I, I think that would be a really interesting an interesting move. I mean, I've heard. I mean, I, I've heard all different kinds of names. Some that have strong Auburn ties, others that have SEC ties. But that's pretty much it. I haven't heard many folks that uh, that aren't at least very familiar with the Southeastern Conference. Right, and I think it's worth mentioning John Hartwell as well. You know, someone who's been an he's AD. Got Auburn ties. Yeah, I mean, he's got Auburn ties, and and it, the former Troy AD who is now at Utah State. He's been an AD. In uh, in Division One college football, college athletics for the last decade or, or so, and someone who understands the region and, and the area, and, and someone that you know, I, I was told uh, during the Allen Green search, you know, watch out for John Hartwell one day as as Auburn AD. So I, I would think John Hartwell might be in the mix as well. But but like you said, Bill, a lot of big names. Uh, we'll take a break and then give maybe our names, you know, as far as a coaching search and and, and who who we've talked because that that's. That's a conversation we've had intermittently throughout the uh, throughout the week, uh, but we can uh, yeah, we can throw a name or two out there when we come back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the drive. We'll be right back. You're live on the drive. The drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 106.7 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final segment of the drive. Appreciate everyone who... Made some time for us today. David Pascal from the Chattanooga Times Free Press earlier this hour. Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer and Scott Bagwell, the voice of Auburn High School Athletics in hour number one. Check out the podcast presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. If you missed any of today's show, Bill, Susan asked in the uh, in the last segment, names, you know, if, if, there's, a, if there's a coaching search uh, at Auburn in the near future, you know, who, who would be popular... Uh, names that folks have thrown out there, ver- or people that you uh, think Auburn should be uh, in, uh, after. I'll, I'll throw I'll throw three out there that you're going to hear an awful lot about. I don't know that uh, that that these are going to be like your top three or your final three candidates or anything, but I would say you're going to hear a lot: Lane Kiffin, Hugh Freeze, Jeff Grimes. Yeah, I, I think there's. I think those are three safe options for you know for for the popular choices like i think those are three i mean for for different reasons too those are different uh different different kinds of candidates but but no i would say those are three coaches that make sense in their own way i'm not i'm not as big on hugh freeze as some other people but i understand that no, he ha- saying, they, those yeah. are names you're going to hear though but no absolutely yeah but i understand he has supporters and and those are names that you would hear about we've talked uh you know urban meyer's name has come up i i'm i'm still uh, I think that he would be – I'm not arguing whether or not he would be successful. You have to overlook a lot to cheer for an Urban Meyer team, and I'm not ready to – You know, I, I don't know if I would be you – know, I don't personally. know that Urban Meyer is going to feel like he has the complete control 
that he is going to demand wherever he wants to go. Certainly. Earlier in the show, we were talking about Jamie Chadwell. I think if Auburn looked to the group of five level, I mean, Jamie I mean, Chad. I Jamie Chad was away from the group of five right now. I think so too. I think in the aftermath of Brian Harson, it would be unlikely to see Auburn take that tact. But Jamie Chadwell, maybe Sean Clark from App State would would be somebody that would that would have growing support among current group of five coaches uh, to, uh, to to one day step in. But but no, I think those three, Lane Kiffin, Hugh Freeze, both having SEC head coaching experience and success as recruiters, among other things. And then Jeff Grimes, who was well respected during his time on the uh, on the planes, recruiter, and is and is seen as a very very good recruiter, and, uh, the, and the and the play caller and offensive coordinator at Baylor, which is a program enjoying uh, some some football success of late with Jeff Grimes uh, heavily involved in the mix. Fun show today. We will do it again tomorrow. No sky bar this week. We'll be back on location next week, so we'll be in the studio tomorrow taking your phone calls. In the meantime, be safe. Good night.